Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey, Matt. This, this doesn't feel quite right. Let's try something different. S.H.I.E.L.D. was infiltrated by HYDRA. They rebelled. S.H.I.E.L.D. evolved. There are two S.H.I.E.L.D. models. They look and feel like heroic humans. And they have a plan. <clears throat> oh, uh, Matt, sorry. I didn't mean to monologue that. A little melodramatic. Episode 214 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Love in the Time of Hydra is brought to us by Diner Style Fried Chicken and Pumpkin Pancakes. Nothing like stopping at the old diner, lathering that up with some of their famous syrup, and uh, going to Mars, Matt. The pecan syrup, or is it the pecan syrup? But either way, it really does, it really just does make the, make the pie. Yes, we pecan. All right, time to catch you up on what went down in this episode. Matt, our teaser, in that very same diner, um, we have Agent 33 still with her Mayface. Well, most of it. Um, We have uh, former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent uh, Grant Ward, most recently of Hydra, now pretty much a free agent. Um, And we find out after the banter over uh, chicken and pancakes and pecan syrup that they're a go. And uh, suddenly this becomes the diner scene from uh, Pulp Fiction, at least a version of it. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, luckily, none of that salty language from Pulp Fiction. Um, what, hey, what, hand me my wallet there that says Bad Mamma Jamma. <laughs> um, in place of, uh, of naughty language in this scene, um, it was uh, served up with what I suspect was a side of squashed tomatoes because it was filled with catch-up exposition. Lots and lots of like, hey, you haven't seen me in a while, so I'm going to tell you about this, so I'm going to tell you about that. And remember with the face bit? Remember how my family... I understand the burden that needs to be carried by exposition. I don't need to like it, though. And that's what a lot of this scene was. Just a lot of like, hi, I'm Grant Ward. Do you remember me? This isn't the lady from uh, from Street Fighter. This is like somebody else who has a scarred face. And everybody listen up. It's a robbery. Of yes. Beard Man. But the, yeah, and that was the one thing I, I felt like maybe we could have at least given us some exposition as to who it was we're after there other than, you know, this is the guy that's going to fix the face. But, it you know, hey, we got a name for the waitress, Rhoda. <laughs> a lovely name. I, I or, mean, Or Rhonda or whatever. I think probably they said, ooh, it'll be a greater mystery if people don't know why they're there. And it's a convenient time to do exposition to remind the knuckle-draggers in the audience who these two people are. Again, necessary evil. Um, I kind of dug that we didn't know why we are there, I'll admit. I mean, it, whether they're talking you know, talking over exposition or other matters, I, I kind of dug the, the incongruity of it all. Yes. 
our act one begins proper at the playground uh, with a scene that was actually released uh, quite a few days ago. Um, really? Wow. The yes. things I miss being spoiler-free, wearing my, yes. my spoiler-free purity ring. Fitz, Simmons, and Sky are, uh, again, with a little bit of the exposition, catching us up here on uh, Sky with the fractures throughout her hands, um, you know, attempting to stay on top of her powers. Sky makes reference to the DL, which Fitz tries to be like the cool kids and thinks means down low, but of course she just means the disabled list. And he's talking about the growing pains that she's going through in trying to get a hold of her powers and makes reference here that if she properly hones them, she could have Avengers level abilities, even like Captain America to which Simmons jumps in and says, if anything, this is like the Hulk and then cue the shaking. I thought that it was perhaps one Avengers reference too many from cap to Hulk. And then, you know, well, if Dr. Banner could blah, blah, blah. Again, I understand we're acknowledging the the breadth of the MCU. I'm certainly not refighting the fight of, you know, uh, average leaving audience member in the first couple episodes of the series. You know, where is that? You know, where I thought Hawkeye was going to be in this show. I'm not, I'm not going down that road. But it was just a little kind of name droppy for the sake of name droppy uh, in my particular uh, book. I will mention, by the way, Pete, though. I know that sometimes in the comics, Daisy Johnson kind of has a, a glove gauntlet type, uh, you know, doodad as part of her, her outfit. I wondered if perhaps her her casts were a little kind of visual quote of that. I think that was a, a definite nod there. And, um, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. I was a little worried with the idea of the fix a little bit later and we can talk about that in our level seven segment that Simmons brought up that there might be a little bit more going on with those gloves more like cuffs if you will Ooh, fun 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 speaking of name dropping Matt um, Andrew Garner uh, Melinda May's ex-husband the uh, analyst brought in last week by Colson to take a look at Sky um, Coulson reveals has recommended that she be removed from shield and may agrees in their discussion that she should be removed from the equation. Uh, may says we, uh, that, uh, they have no idea how to handle her, that she has no idea how to handle her. And Coulson brings up Matt for, I believe it's the 11th time this season Bahrain. This isn't Bahrain, Matt. The the, the mystery of Bahrain. Yeah. Um, so which episode number of the um, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 of the eight we have remaining will Bahrain finally be covered in? This episode brought to you by the number eight. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Model um, eight? I think that I'm going to say the um, third from the end. So to episode 20, 220. The anti-penultimate Ooh, episode. I like that. Um, I also like uh, May's dialogue. Sky has changed, maybe not on the surface, but inside. She doesn't know herself anymore. I love it when the show paints May as um, perhaps not a moral compass, but a 
an objective compass because I think that is so very much in her character where she's not on anyone's side in particular, but she wants to be on kind of the the right side with a capital R, um, <laughs> not the Republicans side with a capital R, not that kind of right, but um, just she kind of wants the truth and the the objectivity. And uh, though Colson is kind of um, you know, big brother, little sister-ish towards uh, towards Sky. May is looking at, at the larger picture here, which is why she's such a valued lieutenant. We pick up with the scientist type dude, and that's what I have in my notes, uh, with a beard that uh, they um, Ward and Agent Thirty Three took from the diner, and he's placing a microchip. On Agent 33's scarred face, it fixes it. Uh, she blinks and brings up the uh, the heads-up display inside of... They refer to it repeatedly, Matt, as a nano mask. I think as the uh, official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community here, we have to point out that it has already been name-checked as... The uh, something veil. Static veil. Static veil. In, uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So, come on, man. I know they got access to that footage. Let's let's keep it real. I think okay? that for the for the purposes, let's keep it canon, Matt. Hey, listen, I am all about canon, but you know what? I don't want to say superseding canon, but things can have multiple names. You can say this is my gun or this is my M sixteen. Um, Laser sword? Laser. This is my laser sword. This is my lifesaver that I use to fight Darvado. Uh, um, choking you through. The- <laughs> um, I think that Nano Mask is clearer to something that the show wants, which is new viewers uh, or maybe casual viewers. And it's been a while since there was some business going on with the mask. Um, so to call it a nano mask after all this time away from it, I'm okay with it. Uh, again, I think it's, you know, the way you could say, you know, speaking of your SUV, you could say, get in the car, get in the truck, get in the SUV. I'm okay with it kind of having multiple names there. Um, as for the effects in that scene, really, really enjoyed it. It wasn't super high tech, but it was, um, it was really fun kind of seeing those tiles resetting, uh, and, and bringing the May face uh, back together. And we got some exposition. The scanner stores three faces, but can't go back to the original, the, you know, her original face. Right. The vocal processor as well, which, you know, Matt, we talked um, via text during this episode, creates some interesting issues during the, uh, the ADR, the post-production of the show, particularly, you know, I didn't recognize that at the one act break when uh, agent 33 surprised ward that it was uh sky's face it was chloe bennett because of the difference of her hair mm-hmm. and the voice it 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 made it a difficult soup to cut through and i think that's where it was a little bit of an overreach by the way, Pete, speaking of ADR, additional dialogue recording, I don't know if you saw on, I think it was Instagram, but uh, Elizabeth Hensturge mentioned the fancy ADR technique to make it sound like you're wearing um, a mask as she was uh, in, back in the caves in the earlier episodes. Do you know how it was done, Pete? I do not. It was done with a red solo cup, just like this. I am wearing yes. a mask. Yes. 
ADR live on the podcast, people. You're so lucky. Um, but the business about the voice, um, you know, dealt with no way to remove the mask. Now she's told by the, uh, the professor, the, the scientist guy who, uh, she's taken on the, um, the visage of in his Berkeley days that, uh, she can be anybody she wants. And Ward says, you know, they, they don't need to hide their true selves which i thought was a really great line a tad mysterious because i feel like i mean i know ward has ward was duplicitous for so long but i think that i thought that we had been seeing the real ward since he shot agent hand in the head um many many episodes ago um so i don't know if that was just kind of a, a writer's flourish or if there's kind of more Ward uh, reveals coming. Oh, um, Matt, you really want me to answer that? Well, you know, Pete, that though I though I am spoiler free, I certainly do anticipate the time when we're going to dust off that button. In fact, I have my finger on it right now. <laughs> Don't. That, that's Don't all. That's it. all we're going to get. We're, but we're going to get. There's a triumphant version with the yes. Diddy, and it's going to be when when Agent <laughs> oh, Grant Ward restored. <laughs> so we have that certainly to look forward to Mac and Hunter get together here. And, uh, we last saw them, um, headed towards the real shield. Uh, Hunter gets a, a number of nice lines in here. He says he's off to see the wizard and we are greeted for the first time by the venerable Edward James almost playing Robert Gonzalez, the leader of this real shield, uh, with a cane. And it's, he explains it's good to uh, have Mac on board. You must be Lance Hunter. There's a familiarity here. And Hunter starts in. He refers to the group, one of which is the woman who led the Shield Science Academy. Um, he calls them the Clown Academy. And later, there is a reference made uh, to uh, Hufflepuff. <laughs> this was this was just such a wonderful scene. Uh, Edward James almost no surprise looks fantastic, carries gravitas. Um, the inclusion of the cane is just a wonderful character affect that that, um, that and then la- in later scenes he's got a glass of water that. It didn't appear that the actor was particularly playing with it, but I, it just kind of struck my mind. Like, I don't know why that water's there, but it just gives him extra things to do, extra things to act with. Um, and I think that Nick Blood's acting in the scenes with almost, yes, Hunter is given interesting, you know, interesting things to do and emotions to play off and seriousness. But I think that Nick Blood's game was elevated in this scene, perhaps in the presence of the Admiral himself or, or perhaps just, uh, just uh, through old Nick Blood's uh, fantastic abilities himself. But these agents, Agent Weaver, previously of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Science Academy, Agent Calderon, played by Kirk Acevedo, who you've seen recently, uh, long after a you know, season-long stint on the first season of Fringe and um, in the fourth season of The Walking Dead, played a 
a fairly important role. And then uh, Mark Allen Stewart as uh, Agent Oliver, also known as uh, Agent Grizzly Adams with the beard. Indeed, uh, I guess I guess there's only so many razors on that uh, on that particular ship. There is, you know, they uh, Gonzalez explains they founded Shield, the real Shield, and they believe they shouldn't be operating from the shadows. Weaver brings up there's too many secrets, and you know that uh, Fury had made it that way, and they're fearful that Coulson's taking it down the same path. And and in this, Hunter is clearly ticked off. And and again, it was just so fantastic to see Nick Blood putting some darkness into his normally effervescent uh, performance. And uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful scene setting the tone for the episode and what I suspect are a number of episodes to come. And Hunter feels that Coulson is not so bad having worked with him now and worked under him. And he says that uh, Bobby would never bow down to this at which point, Matt, what happens? Oh, man, she comes through the door. Excellent timing. Act break. Act two begins with uh, Hunter making that aforementioned reference to uh, maybe we should discuss this alone, Bobby, instead of in front of all of Hufflepuff looking on here. And uh, Gonzalez, I thought it was a nice throwback, Matt. He says that he was very close to uh, Isabel Hartley, the uh, agent played by a former uh, Battlestar Galactica alum as well. Of course, referring to Lucy Lawless there. And I I was of the exact same mindset. I, I was thinking back, well, how many scenes did those two share? Probably not. A ton, because I know she kind of left well before the finale and so on and so forth. But it's a small world, isn't it? It is. And not just Hartley, who died in the season opening episode uh, of season two here, but um, Agent Triplet. Reyna is name-checked. They talk about Sky, and they bring all this back because Coulson is doing the alien writing and discovered this city. And, you know, this is where the gravitas of an actor like Edward James almost being the perfect pick for this role. You know, I I think they've been very smart in casting this show over the two years, the two seasons that it's been on. You know, you get Bill Paxton, the the end of, uh, you know, the last third of last year to, to play his double dealing Role And now you have, you know, really the voice of integrity when we're talking about Edward James almost. This is a man who has appeared before the United Nations to, to talk about a TV show and the social issues that came about as, you know, a result of our uh, wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and, you know, how fiction was, you know, meaningfully dialoguing about that troubling nonfiction when it came to torture and IEDs and things like that but he says that you know they've not arrived at this conclusion about Coulson lightly so this is not just a personality issue he says he knew Coulson uh, but the behavior is troubling and they want to know if Hunter shares their concerns and that does kind of put a put a bow on the scene Um, the scene starts with Hunter flippantly saying you know indoctrinate away Um, but then it's this rather direct and plain laying out of concerns um and then with that question do you not have concerns as well um and you know hunter's response is you know take it up with uh, take it up with colson but 
it's an effective moment where I don't think the audience, you know, we the audience are not honestly um, questioning Colson's leadership at this point. But you do kind of take a half a step back and say, yeah, if I'm this other bunch that's just kind of been really hanging hanging in the background, there there is a lot of crazy stuff going on. And Colson was not completely on top of things as he was aware he was losing control. Now, you know, we know willful suspension of disbelief, why that was the case and how it made for great drama, but these characters are asking great questions and it really makes for for interesting scenes, which not for nothing, if it wasn't for the quality of the acting and the writing, it's otherwise just a bunch of people sitting around a table saying, I think this, do you think this? No, I don't think this. Um, and it just it just works. And I... I I, all the way down to Mockingbird saying she believes Colson has been compromised. Right. And, and that's really the idea. And that leads us so wonderfully into the next scene. Colson is looking at the, uh, the holographic uh, information and there's a little cube on his desk that he puts away before Simmons comes in. She wants to know, I'm sorry, he wants to know from her, is it all there? Is there something else? And she expresses some concern about possible repercussions, leads Colson to uh, going to see Sky and telling her she needs to pack a bag. It's so convenient that Simmons couldn't see all those holographic lights through the frosted window panes which make up the walls of Colson's office. Eh. Um... But more importantly, yes, Sky's being packed. A, uh, Sky's told to pack the bag. She's going for a ride, and uh, both a an uh, appropriate callback to an older movie, and of course, staying in the mouse house. Sky wonders if uh, she's being given the old yeller treatment, being taken out for one last ride before before the deed must be done. We pick back up with Agent 33, Matt, who's taking a little time out to luxuriate and read a magazine and change into the various women she sees. I um, am not entirely sure what the purpose of that scene was. Perhaps it was just to show that she could do it. You know, we were told it, but this is a visual medium, so you must show it, not just say it. Um more importantly is that as the scene progresses and Ward enters it, just a really lovely, subtle performance uh, from Brett Dalton. Ward is caring for her as though she is kind of like a nervous, abused dog. Um, and similarly, Ming-Na Wen imbuing Agent 33 with this kind of frailty and fear. Um, I thought it was surprisingly touching because these are two characters who are the bad guys. Um but also just tremendously damaged people. Um, and given that at least one of them needs uh, an exit strategy to get back in our good graces and rejoin the main cast, um, <laughs> you know, <Age> 33, <laughs> he's, Oh my ward is Hilo. At 33 is boomer on the planet. Anyhow, there, there it's, all, it's all connected. It is. Um, Ward talks about the next phase, but 33 is concerned here. She has nothing to give in return, Matt. And, um, you know, that's really the, the subtext of this episode, you know, love in the time of Hydra, by the way, Matt, two fourteen February 14th, love in the time of Hydra. Also, hey, wasn't it February 14th when the Daredevil movie opened back in 2003? 
I don't have the exact date. It was that weekend. I could tell you, Pete, it was that day. And a quick reminder to search iTunes for Fantastic Geek for our Daredevil podcast, which already has two episodes. Uh, It's also on FantasticGeek.com. And I can't wait for that series to start. But Pete, back to this series about the 214, the love, and the Hydra, even though there's not really much Hydra in it. But please continue. We pick up with Coulson and Sky on the Quinjet, uh, speeding towards their unannounced destination at this point. And Coulson uh, says he's uh, sorry to Sky. Uh, she blames her father, however, for the situation here. And uh, they share some Twizzlers, which I thought, you know, there, there's that undercurrent, and we've alluded to it previously in this podcast of caring and, you know, I I know it's been referred to by, you know, Clark Gregg as kind of a a brother sister thing, but it, it's very much directly played up on the show as, as the father situation. And, you know, the, the two father figures that sky has in her life, but here that this is, it's less of the dad thing and more of the, you know, fun older brother here have some licorice before i leave you forever wherever i'm taking you (laughs) (laughs) old yeller um pete after that eloquent uh um acknowledgement of the the kind of familial nature between colson and sky and whatnot um, and the dad with the car and everything there two episodes in a row we've had a colson dad story you you getting a feeling matt maybe i maybe it's like, yeah, I, I am. And by the way, the the Lola backstory was uh, was very cute and, and a really, really nice, a nice touch to things. But this next comment I'm going to make, totally well beneath all that insight you just had, I thought it was beef jerky, not Twizzlers. Just throwing it out there, just for the sake I, of specificity. I think they were Twizzlers. I, I'm not saying that it was beef jerky. I'm just, I'm just telling you. <laughs> they were really long to be beef jerky. I don't know. Um, I'm not a beef jerky guy, so I, I don't know. You, you know your beef, Matt. <laughs> but um, you know the 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 whole thing with the Corvette, and again, they they save a lot of the best lines for Sky. You know, so I'm the Corvette in this story. You're gonna tell me where we're going. <laughs> Am I the metaphor here? Um, so with the pumpkin pancakes that award arrives back to the hotel room, he's greeted with another surprise, Matt, which I came to late that this of course is the face of sky of actress, Chloe Bennett with a wig or really changed hair. That is agent 33. And the Melinda May, uh, Ming-Na Wen voice. Again, you give me that at the end of the episode, it was just a little much to try to process all at once. It wasn't until we came back that it became abundantly clear what I was looking at. Indeed, though, certainly a nice uh, switcheroo that 33 has a new face, a kissy face. Ended, of course, from Sky. And with that, we're taken to the act break. Ward confesses to Agent 33, however, this is not what he wants. And, um, you know, with the May voice, 
Uh, she says that uh, I thought if I looked like this, we could be together. Um, the idea of who she is that Ward wants to be with, he wants to be with her, her. And me, she says, Whitehall wiped her all away. It was a fairly good ADR job going on. Um, I I appreciate that there was so much that needed to be re-recorded by Ming-Na Wen, uh, lining up with somebody whose you know, particular pronunciation of words, whose mouth shape, whose timing and all that isn't necessarily that of Ming-Na Wen. But at the end of the day, Ming-Na Wen in front of this microphone must, uh, must make it sound like May. Um, so if it wasn't perfect, I think it was daring on the part of the production to have that length of, uh, that, that length of Ming-Na Wen's voice there. Did it fall a little short? Okay, maybe it did, but, um, good in the effort nonetheless. Back with, um, agent, um, uh, Mockingbird, Bobby Morse and, uh, Gonzalez. And we know he's serious, Matt, when he uses her full name, Barbara. Listen here, Barbara. There is something that is so unique to Olmos's uh, delivery in this, in, in Battlestar, uh, in many things, where he, he ups his energy yes. by lowering it. And yes. like, when he gets angrier, it's just like, and you know what? You need to listen to me. The guy could be doing this. The guy could be calling up for a pizza, you know, ring. Yes, I want to. Do you make full pies there? Yeah. Do you have pepperoni? I don't want that. <laughs> you know, just I, I, he could take the most mundane dialogue. Here it's a name, Matt. All he does is say the woman's name, the character's name. And it just takes on this, you know, heavy, heavy emphasis. The guy is a pro's pro, and we're really in for a treat in this, you know, last third of the season that we're going to have him. I'm going to share my my wish list. My wish list is that he has a contract to the end of the season, which I think is is more likely than not, given that at the end of the day, Gonzalez Shield and Colson Shield they basically want to be the good guys. Um, I would love it if they could keep him around maybe recurring into into the uh, the next season um as opposed to say the bill paxton route of and in the grand finale we kill off the you know over 50 guest actor who's been recurring um but time will tell or in pete's case uh when he gets delivered the uh the, the, <laughs> the scripts for 221 222 um in 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 a couple of weeks he will uh drop little hints you know to it and drive me yeah. slowly crazy yeah. Well, actually, I, I know through um, the uh, the penultimate episode, I know where we're at. But wow. yeah, not the uh, they've just started to shoot the finale. Um, but Ward is uh, back with 33 here and they're talking about uh, building her back up Um and he talks about how he has built himself back up and he hasn't looked back since. He brings up that he's got uh, some help. That's a file that's going to help with some closure. And 
speaking of building back up, sometimes you have to tear things down, and it's a file containing the name of Sunil Bakshi, who has been remanded into Air Force custody. And uh, Agent 33 explains that uh, it was Bakshi who um, pulled her out of her safe house. And uh, then Ward gives Agent 33 a ring. I am slightly unclear as to something. Earlier, uh, Dr. Beardo said that <laughs> it, like, to get back to her original face was impossible for yes. reasons of bloopity bloop bloop techity nano veil. Um, then here we are starting, and I don't know that it is explicitly stated at this point yet, but essentially it's like as Ward is giving his backstory through expositional means, um, it's kind of like, and you too, Agent 33, you can get your backstory and find out who you were. Um, we just need to get back, she, and you just need to like let out your anger, and then the nano veil will know your old face. That's yeah. kind of how I summarize it. Yeah, the the Bakshi backstory, if you will, and the idea that uh, love overcomes the static veil's limitations, it, it was a little dodgy. Um, we get Agent 33 then directly cut as uh, Mrs. Talbot there at the Air Force desk, obviously wearing the um, the nano face. Um, and of course, her voice doesn't match. Oh, it's 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 a cold, Matt. And they need to call the general straight away. We see Talbot um, in his office talking about the benefits of a riding mower. And then when his wife arrives here, that Taco Tuesday has come a little bit early. Pete, this is a really fun bit o story here. Um, you know, we're we're clearly in on the gag from the get-go. Um, and the fact that it's, you know, like, oh, you know, Mrs. Talbot also might be late in a little bit. And it's, you know, it's it's undercover and it's the mask, and it's it's really a fun portion of the story. It is, and it's necessary. Um, I, I could do without the trope we hit in a little bit of the, uh, you know, invasion of the body snatchers, the thing. I, I'm going to say something to you and find out if, if you're the person we're looking for or not. Um, we'll cover that in a little bit. Um, we moved to Colson uh, at the cabin safe house with sky telling her he's pulled her from active duty um but feel free to enjoy the fishing just don't go past the laser fence also side note um i'm glad to see that the safe house is in really awesome shape um not dirty anything like that again is it a little too much for me to to call the show out on that yeah flip side I don't know. I mean, sh include something that sh that tells me nobody's been there in a long time. You want to say, you know, whether it's, I don't know, cutting the padlock off the front door or I don't know, something like that. But again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing the forest for the trees. Um, but certainly th there's that line there of is the safe house to keep Sky safe or is it to keep everyone else safe? Um, and more confirmation of that Sky is the new Corvette 
And uh, now we can worry about seeing Sky as much as Lola, which is hardly ever. Yeah, uh, we see it more in model form these days. But um, out come the gloves, Matt, as they come off. And the idea that these would decrease the magnitude, there's some idea of side effects. Yeah, it's um, it clearly is seeding for future episodes. Uh, you know, I mean, we can reasonably assume that in the remaining eight episodes, there's going to be some sort of... Um, control focusing use etc of uh, of sky's powers um and, and the fact that these uh, these gauntlets help with that is um i think a bit of a clear story uh kind of uh road sign but uh but certainly we leave sky uh, there by her lonesome we do. We're back with uh, Agent Thirty Three there as uh, what's credited in the in the um, the credits, Matt, as uh, female major. Uh, her hair looks good, um, and we know that that is her. Um, meanwhile, the feed has cut out, and uh, Ward is at the desk there to uh, to knock the guy out. Um, Talbot's wife then calls from the car, so uh, he knows that it is not her in the building. He places on lockdown. He tells the lieutenant there, if you see me, um, it's not me. It's that damn mask again, Matt. Somebody stop me. <laughs> Ooh, could this open the door to season three? The male over 50 guest star will be none other than Jim Carrey. Well, listen, you know, after Dumb and Dumber 2, which was a serviceable comedy, he needs to work. Act 4 begins with Talbot um, sending somebody to the sat room to let Coulson know that the nano mask is in play, Matt. They have a mole. There's a spy in the house. And we cut, I think, very well timed to Mac mm. and May. Um back at the playground and she's uh, pressing him on Hunter. He's explaining that uh, he's just spent 72 hours with him in Athens, Georgia, getting him out of bar fights. And uh, she points out that Hunter went AWOL, no doubt the cover story for what they've done with Lance Hunter. Pete, in my fanfic heart, I like to think that though we know Hunter was actually not in Athens, Georgia. I like to think that he's had sad benders in Athens, Georgia and crossed paths with that venerable superhero team, Hootie and the Blowfish. Hunter and Hootie and the Blowfish. That, I, I challenge you, Marvel, where is that comic book series? Yes, let Mockingbird cry. <laughs> Maybe that'll just be two ships <laughs> passing in the night, which is the line Mac gives to May. Uh, which had been given to him by uh, by uh, Gonzalez, and at that point, I was wondering, "Ooh, is that going to be some sort of massive tip off, or is that going to be a code within a code, or something like that?" But uh, we're not quite there yet in that uh, resolution. Yes, back with Talbot here. He's going down the line. He says to the one lady about her daughter, she doesn't have a daughter. Then, have I ever gotten your name right? No, never. All right, you know, just a little tropey for my taste. And then, of course, you know, he thinks he's got a winner, folks. And, you know, he's pulling on Meredith's face. And 
surprise, Matt, it's not Mer or it's it's not the mole, it's not Agent 33, it's actually Meredith. And it's funny, Pete, because she's not glamorously attractive, so that means it's a mask. Wah, wah. Yeah. Um, I was a teensy bit uncomfortable with that. Like, you know, wanted. Actress in her late 30s, <laughs> early 40s. Looks schoolmarmish, comma, possibly unmarried, comma, probably divorced. You know, I, I, I was just like, I don't know. I didn't quite. It was, a, it was a good joke, but it was not a great one. Right. Back at the uh, front desk there, Ward has the guy knocked out, and um, Agent 33 is now a guy. Thank goodness, Pete, that they addressed the, uh, the, the issue yes. of, of the, uh, the uniform that was a little bit big, of course, acknowledging the bosoms. I think also acknowledging that the face can take on um, a male proportion in terms of the bone structure and, you know, facial hair and things like that, which is nicely established in that early scene in the episode. Um, they go in to see Bakshi. He doesn't recognize, of course, that these are people here to do him harm. What is it you want? And, um, you know, then he's suddenly confronted that this is Agent 33, but he thinks it's a positive thing. He says, oh, loyal to the very end. And then Ward comes through, which last time Bakshi saw Ward, it didn't exactly work out for him. What are you doing here? Bakshi is trying to calm 33 down, get her to comply, and uh, doesn't exactly work out for him. Absolutely not. Uh, Bakshi getting a, a rather hard punch to the face sends him uh, sends him careening back. There's a little bit of a smile there from 33 uh, because all she needed to do was to click her knuckles together three times and punch him, <laughs> and then she can find the real her. Um, which, again, I'm a little kind of vague on that, but okay, I'll go for that. That, that works well enough, I suppose. Talbot then draws down on his wife in the hallway. They give him good material comedically um, quite a bit. You know, Carla, he's, he's got her laying down, bags of tacos and soft drink carriers at her feet here. Matt, she even got those porquitos he likes. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> you know, for all the uh, hard buttery that we have seen I don't want to say hard assery uh, from Talbot in previous episodes. It's nice to see him throwing some comedic bones here. Um, he still is the same tough guy. This is kind of a comedy of errors unfolding around him, and I, I personally appreciate it. Uh, and, and it was it, it was a good scene here. Again, one of these instances that seemed to happen a fair amount on Shield, where we the audience are kind of ahead of other characters realizing things, but I thought it was incredibly effective and certainly fun and entertaining. Between a comedic take on um, husband-wife relationships to a very serious one, Bobby then apologizes to Hunter. Um, he gives us, I thought, some very revealing backstory here that uh, they first hit when they first hit it off, she had been sent to steal info intel from him then and um she explained that while she was there to do that that what they had was real and 
of course, Hunter points out that she still got the intel. But now the idea is that, you know, he needs to walk away. But she says she needs to finish this. Um, and uh, Hunter goes to leave. She points out he has nowhere to go. And suddenly, Matt, we're where? We're, we're on a boat. We're on a carrier, maybe a non-functioning helicarrier. I had wondered that as well. There certainly are a ton of uh, ton of shield planes there, and uh, in that breakup scene, Pete, I, I have to say, I thought that it was one of the most emotionally effective scenes that have that have occurred all season. Uh, the, the 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 hurt that you saw in Hunter. I felt was so real. Uh, he was wistful. He was sad. He was broken. He was acknowledging these mistakes that he knew going in. Um, it, I just thought that it was, it, it just felt so incredibly kind of authentic and raw. And I really, really bought into it, um, uh, you know, for, from Hunter as a character and um, just real, real kudos to Nick Blood for his performance there. Yes, he's definitely grown throughout the season as a performer, you know, coming in as as the rogue and now being able to drop his guard here through the relationship with his uh his ex and then again with Bobby, but um for it to go the way that it has now, it's uh it's pretty tragic as we hit the act break. In Act 5 now, um, Bobby uh, makes it outside and she does not find Hunter. Um, We get a scene with Coulson and Fitz where it is explained that uh, Skye is safe. Simmons then explains to Fitz what was in the case. It was something to help Skye. The word fix, Matt, is used here. And, you know, in this series of episodes back, we're now in our fourth um, episode consecutively since we've returned from the misnomer winter finale, which occurred in the fall. Um, The idea of Gemma Simmons being anti-inhuman has been something we've talked about quite a bit. And this verbiage is entirely intentional. I, I certainly am repeating myself when I say this, but I, I love the dramatic uh, uh, um, discomfort that it causes in me that Simmons of all people, that, that pure blushing English rose is, metaphorically the most racist person there you know if if one views inhumans as kind of a a proxy for whether it's you know race or gender or or, you know the other differences that make us a a wonderful uh, mix of people here in the world um i love that they have chosen this character to be the one who just views the science of it and says your dna should be this it should not be that therefore we must fix it because it is broken and it is wrong and I think that it really opens up the show to explore areas where, frankly, it hasn't been super strong in the past. It kind of hasn't been a show about 
kind of real things um, in particular, which is fine. If it's kind of going for action adventure, good excitement and good twist ruse and you buy into the characters as real people, that that is fine. That is, There's nothing wrong with that. But I like that they're kind of back to saying, hey, those other type of people over there are wrong and we have a way to maybe fix that. Right. And she points out, for me, it's about the motivation, you know, trip died here and, um, you know, Fitz brings it back to the, the only scary change is with you, Gemma. Um, though she's rationalized her actions, it's still a bridge too far. Colson and, and Talbot confer on the TV there. They explain that, um, we find out that Ward is back, that uh, back she has been taken, that his wife is rattled. Uh, it nearly cost Talbot his marriage. Now he's up to his ears in edible arrangements. And Matt, you know, we occasionally uh, have some sponsors on the program. I'm drawing a line in the sand. We will never have edible arrangements as a sponsor because that company sucks they once told my wife um no we don't want business wow yes so that would be the the anti uh the anti that was an anti-commercial right there so <laughs> if you're looking for somebody who doesn't want your business edible arrangements um, I, uh, pete maybe this actually speaks deeply to the character of talbot that he is attempting to 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 apologize to his wife but he is a man of duty before he is a man of marriage as would be the case for someone in his uh position perhaps i'm not defending it i'm just saying you know he might be married to the job more therefore his his uh a proxy by which he's sharing his apologies is one which is not effective i think this is all intentionally done on the part of the writers in the show marissa tancherone and jed whedon brilliant well he's lost two men as well and the idea that this might have been uh, mishandled is uh, broached and um, with May uh, Colson talks about how uh, you know they um, how they felt when they left it with uh, with Andrew Garner and uh, with Sky and now it's time to find out what Max been up to so Colson's uh, checking in there and uh we get back to our um, real shield group and uh, Agent Weaver reveals that Hunter used one of these submersible pods to get off of the ship, which conveniently we never saw. Um, but we can forgive that like we can an ordinary floating aircraft carrier. Um, Gonzalez explains that he just got off the phone with um, Mac and that Sky has been hidden. Agent Calderon, however, is emphatic that he wants to take out the teacup. Certainly a, uh, a, a curious name there, if ever there, there has been one. Well, I mean, that's a direct... Um, you know, euphemism for uh, Agent Hunter. Um, Gonzalez, though, and I like that Bobby's kind of given this consigliere role 
you know, he asks her, how do you want to proceed? She's the one that's going to act here and she knows what the threat is. Weaver has said there's only 12 hours to take care of this. And she says she'll go back undercover, Matt, and she only needs six. Six. Because <laughs> she's that good. And then actually I heard there's a deleted scene where, where Gonzalez takes out an orange and says, <laughs> this is 12 hours. Cut it in half. Six hours. It was it, it was cut for time, clearly. It was. Um, and actually unnecessary because despite all this discord, what's the point of the scene? They trust Mockingbird who's going back down undercover. Our tag secret scene here features Agent 33 in a mirror where she uh, has the Agent May face. She phases it back and then she's left with the scar and her hair ward comes up behind in the reflection and he points out it's nice to finally meet you he explains who he is as if she doesn't already know he's grant and she gives us her name for the first time which is it is kira who ironically uh, that means that earlier in the episode kira was a major yes major kira little deep space nine for y'all um he says that she's proud of her and uh, she's thankful. Um, and he explains that she did this and this is just the beginning. But it's going to be a long night, Matt, because they've got the TV on and they've got Bakshi over for a little swirly brainwashy TV. And he's got his um, clockwork orange uh, little sticky things on his face. And, um, you know, will this work? Well, the idea of his compliance will be rewarded is not so much something that's uh, first and foremost on Agent 33's mind because honestly, she doesn't think it'll make a difference. For a show that prides itself on having really fun uh, act ends or or rather episode ends, this was a really good one. The notion that Bakshi, who is an enjoyable villain and who's, who's uh, you know, portrayed by a fun actor, but a character that we have no, you know, we don't see a good side in him. We don't love to hate him. We just enjoy hating him, you know. There's kind of not that, oh, he's the rogue. To see him kind of given his own medicine and these two nutbags are brainwashing, torturing him, um, I just thought it was it was some just desserts, and when bad people do something bad to a worse person, you know, we know which side we're supposed to be on in that particular conversation. A detailed look at our bad guys, Matt, Agent 33, and Ward. It's been a while. It's been uh, four episodes, as a matter of fact. Um, I continue to kind of struggle with how I'm supposed to feel for Ward, given the the nature of his crimes and uh, the depth of his duplicitousness. That said, I really felt that this was some great character development for Agent 33, seeing her sympathetic side, getting a sense of of what ails her um, and what her challenges are, um, certainly since having been brainwashed. and I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed seeing the two of them returning, uh, the dichotomy between the two, kind of the, the, the twisted dichotomy, even down to 
the notion, you know, mid-episode when she's taken the face of uh, of Sky, where essentially she's saying, "Hey, thanks for helping me so much. Um, I wa- I will prostitute myself to you to show you how appreciative I am." And him saying, "No, no, no," and then towards the end of the episode, it's like the the dialogue is written in such a way before there's the back she reveal that you know now they are going to be intimate. It's kind of like. You know, is this romantic? Is this is this like Joker and Harley Quinn? Uh, Harley Quinn. Um, but instead, it's nope. On to the business. So I just I, I love all of that. The frailty of her, the strength of her. Yeah. Um, really, really excellent use. Particularly since the character was played by five people, six people yeah. in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been really easy to make. 33 one dimensional. Okay, she's trapped in this. She can change her face. Bum, bum, bum. But like you said, to add that frailty and to do it with Ward here. And again, kudos to the writers for continuing to find if we're going to say it's manipulative humanity in Ward, I'm even comfortable saying that. Um, but, you know, that, that he doesn't allow her to um you know stay in the sky face and that it doesn't become about the may fixation and relationship for him um that's a complex character it is it is and i think you raise a good point because with all the razzle dazzle of 33 in this episode it's easy to forget all that going on with ward but but you're absolutely correct there's there's so much um there's so much under the surface with him uh, and rightfully so because we know the character all the better so to kind of be getting deeper in all of that is uh, appropriate indeed a lot of shades of gray than necessarily pure bad guys in this episode and and while we bring up 33 and Ward who are essentially free agents they're acting against a a hydra head there um how about robert gonzalez and his real shield clown academy matt i hesitate putting him on the dossier you know we've we've spoken in the past about how uh there have been episodes where you know there's the antagonist to our heroes but not that antagonist is not particularly a villain that is clearly the case with robert gonzalez and you know shield two they are concerned for the security of a planet, of the things that S.H.I.E.L.D. has in scope, um, and they want things to be done as effectively as possible. Uh, given the speed that this show can move in, and given that there's the line there where Colson and May both, it turns out, have been suspicious of Mac for a long time, um, I, I would be surprised if it's two or three episodes at most where there is that resolution and it's, you know, Gonzalez and Colson working together to bring down the new big bad, which, uh, gee whiz, with that timing could be leading into or leading out of, I don't know, Avengers Age of Ultron. Right. It, at the same time with some, you know, voices a little louder than others, Agent Calderon here. Um, and so wonderfully cast with, um, you know, Kirk Acevedo there who, who, who can play either a really endearing character 
like you did in Charlie on uh, Fringe or, you know, just play a sicko like you did on The Walking Dead, a, a sycophantic, uh, you know, um, soldier along with a maniac like the governor um, to, to really be the guy who's, who's saying, all right, let's kill Hunter. Let's, let's take these guys out. You know, it, it, it's not clear cut, um, exactly how this will play out. How about Bakshi, Matt and, uh, our old buddy in, uh, Talbot to get them in there again, oppositional, not necessarily bad guys in the purest sense. Um, (laughs) He is clearly a bad guy, a Hydra through and through, wanted by, wanted by Shield, wanted by uh, ex Hydra, ex Shield people, wanted by the United States Air Force. Um, definitely, you know, as I said earlier, such a wonderful presence on the show, but no question that he is probably the most black hatted villain uh, in not only tonight's episode, but that we've seen. Well, I guess that there was. A bunch of crazies last week, so I take that back. But certainly the the most villainous of villains in tonight's episode. But look how we leave him. They're brainwashing mm. him. We we have left him in a vulnerable position. And I think among all the things we talk about, what this show does well is it's not black and white in terms of the presentation of characters that might be malevolent. It's not the, I'm going to go over here and, and twist my mustache, you know, Edward James almost having an awesome mustache that he might even twist. Um, you know, Bill Paxton last year and, you know, the buddy-buddy with Coulson and the relationship with Ward and, you know, the the Esso uh, relationship with him and, and Trip and everything there. These are fully fleshed out characters, non-cartoonish characters that just happen to draw their roots, many of them, within a comic two-dimensional universe. You raise a really, a really wonderful point yet again. The, the quote, the visual quote there of Bakshi being brainwashed uh, and the visuals of it certainly referencing a clockwork, a clockwork orange and the, uh, the Ludovico technique is a reminder that even in his position, he is sympathetic. If, if, if only because of the quote to Clockwork Orange where you're saying, here's all these awful things done, but now you're taking away uh, the, the tiniest bit of beauty. Um, or in the case of uh, Clockwork Orange, you know, his appreciation for music in, uh, in this, perhaps uh, a bit more broadly, uh, Bakshi's sense of humanity. But... Um, it's it, as you said, Pete. It certainly is a reminder that uh, these are all kind of well-rounded, uh, well-rounded characters, and uh, I guess we can feel a little bit bad for old Bakshi. Welcome to level seven, Matt. Let's go right to Sky and the gloves, the gauntlets, side effects. I think that. Gee whiz, they worked a little bit. Now, in future episodes, let's recombine the polymorphous materials. Oh, that did it better. Oh, now we'll do this. Now we'll put some bleep, bleep, bloop, bloop lights on it. 
that makes it even better. And then we get closer to uh, to the J- Daisy Johnson gauntlets uh, in the comics. At least that's where I predict we're headed. Or or maybe they begin to uh, degenerate her uh, DNA at a cellular level and um, Gemma Simmons begins her campaign of inhuman ethnic cleansing. I suppose that's possible as well. Um, <laughs> makes me a little, a little wary, even though I welcome kind of the, you know, the dramatic conflict of, uh, of uh, Simmons taking that position. But uh, I guess time, as always, will tell. How about that, uh, that Hunter Mockingbird marriage, though? I will tell you this, Pete. Here is my prediction. Now that we've had Hunter once again kind of sober up over the the feelings of love and perhaps lust that he feels for, for Mockingbird, and this appears to be kind of the, the big goodbye, um, at least, uh, you know, it, for, from a romantic sense, I suspect they're going to share more scenes. Although, side note, Pete, he got off the ship. I thought it was like a plane taking off, and I thought there was reference to like a submarine. They did um, say it was a submarine. Okay, but either way, he's off the ship. But here's my prediction, particularly because they have signed uh, Adrian Palicki to be a full cast member for the rest of the season, which means nothing could possibly happen to her. No. My prediction, <laughs> season finale. Or hasn't already. Mockingbird is hit, falling into the arms of, who is it? It's Hunter. Her face bloodied. He he brushes the hair out of her face, gives her one last kiss, pulls back. She has died in his arms. A love that could have lasted years. Now done with. And and Hunter returns next season, but Mockingbird is no more. That is my prediction, Pete, for level seven. Um, what about this real shield? You know, we had the reveal last week with the logo. And now we have met several of them. They were, um, you know, shield heads themselves, one of them uh, with an academy. Um, clearly, there'll be a connection there with uh, Fitz and Simmons to make later on. We've not seen a couple of them. Their hearts appear to be in the right place. Let's remember, too, though, that, you know, Fury's kicking it in Europe and with the Avengers, he's going to be donning the, uh, the eye patch and the, uh, the leather again soon. So to think that he's not aware of this on some level is really naive. Um, what's the end game here with this real shield? You know, we had Hydra within shield. Now we have shield, Real shield, original recipe shield, extra crispy shield. Where are we going? Pete, this is crystal shield. This is a la crystal Pepsi. And I'll tell you why. I think that we can all agree, regardless of where you're at on the the modern real world topics of, you know, domestic spying and spying abroad and those kind of clandestine operations. These things need to be clandestine. I think back to... A little, a little uh, operation in World War II called Operation Mincemeat, which uh, was actually dreamed up by future James Bond author Ian Fleming, which I won't give 
all any of the details beyond saying it was just this super super secret thing where you're they were going to get a body of a presumed british pilot that the nazis would find but it actually wasn't a pilot and so on and so forth to get secrets out there you need your secret operations to be secret and the notion that shield can be an effective shield to you know for us for the 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 population against these threats while saying okay well let's all have our you know don't forget friday afternoon is when we're going to do the the real shield paper airplane contest in the atrium (laughs) who will win make sure all the guys and gals from the you know from the lab come up no you need your walls you need things separated um you can't all come together in in that regard simple as that by the way pete i have one more crazy level seven prediction uh if we see the role in the movies of captain marvel played by katie sackoff does that mean that we get to have a gonzalez and captain marvel scene in future seasons and uh wonder if captain marvel is going to just suddenly disappear while gonzalez turns around well, Matt, let's get the spoiler people to put their earmuffs on. Cause I got it's me too. I got a couple things for you. One, Captain Marvel has been cast. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, two, she will be in Avengers: Age of Ultron. Um, I would love we've talked off air about this i would love for katie sackoff to play captain marvel that's like dream casting for me um i just don't know if it's going to happen i do not know who they gave the role to but uh it's been done and it's been filmed so look forward to seeing that um in the very end of avengers age of ultron but I would love that, you know, casting that actress as they could here, um, they could get her back with uh, Admiral Adama, with whom Sakoff had wonderful chemistry with Edward James almost. I am in the middle. It was actually prompted by Edward James almost being cast on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have like four episodes left in my consecutive rewatch here of Battlestar Galactica and if you've not seen the rebooted series which exceeds the original in every way watch that uh, Netflix took it off but there's a lot of places you can get a hold of it I happily own the DVDs and uh, yeah just uh, really absorbing his performances her performances and was just such a well done show there in the mid to late aughts there 2004 to 2009 my age of ultron prediction is we're still gonna get that spider-man cameo at the end i I fervently believe in it and i I anticipate that moment and then it happening and just the theater exploding but um well the theater better not explode because that could be a little bit of a problem that is true. I was being uh, was being somewhat figurative there, Pete. But yes. Pete, here's something I'm not being figurative about. For the listeners who'd like to lend a hand in the podcast, you could head over to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek to help us with our uh, bandwidth and storage costs. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash fantasticgeek. We have some uh, little ways to say thank you there. And uh, you help 
this podcast and the uh, other podcasts in the Puff family of podcasts uh, to uh, continue to flourish. We really are grateful for all the support. As uh, you know, we say all the time, we have the best listeners, and you guys have been so generous. And uh, thanks for even considering the idea here so that we can do this and more things like this for you. Matt, let's open up the mailbag here. We have one review on iTunes. This comes to us courtesy of Chief Gear, G-E-E-R, Head. Uh, it was left for us actually yesterday, March 23rd, and it is headlined Great Freakin' with a PH. Nice. Uh, podcast, uh, five stars, and it reads, I found the AOS, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, podcast back when Winter Soldier opened and I was looking for some good commentary. Matt and Pete provide a thoughtful, insightful, and humorous look at each of the AOS episodes. Their critiques are fair and don't stray into ponderous, nitpicky territory. I also appreciate the way they look at how the episode is written and structured. This is really the podcast to check out. I listen every Wednesday morning on my drive into work. They get them done that fast. You should also check out their podcasts on Agent Carter, Daredevil, and the ad hoc movie critique. Great stuff, guys. Keep up the good work. Two exclamation points. I am particularly touched to hear that we are a part of his uh, his commute on Wednesdays. Um, it's you know, myself as a consumer of, of other podcasts. You know, there are those days you say, "Oh, it's the day this podcast comes out." It's the day that podcast comes out, and you know, I have special memories of podcasts in the past, waiting for them to come out you know, related to various shows and whatnot. Um, so it's it, we appreciate uh, being able to uh, to be part of your your Wednesday drive, and that's something that you look forward to. And also, uh, I'm glad that we don't delve into too much nitpicky stuff. Uh, Pete, let's now spend an hour. Was it beef jerky or was it the Twizzler that uh, Colson and Sky ate? It was a beef Twizzler. Ooh, boom! Problem solved. Pete, here's another problem. So many people cry out, a million voices crying out together. How can they? get in touch with you pete on the twitter well 5465 followers can't be wrong you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r while i am personally on twitter as looking back lost you can be in touch with the podcast in a variety of ways we are fantastic geek with a ph on the gmail the dot com and the twitter and that's not all pete it's not uh you can find us on facebook at uh facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek again with the ph and um Every bit you like us, you help us more. Uh, Facebook is pretty interesting in that the more likes you receive, the more abilities you get with your page. So not only do you make it official when you like us, you help us, Matt, unlock secret abilities. We're like 
sky over here, man. I woke up with uh, all these bruises on my forearms from my nap before we did the the podcast. I just don't know if that's anything related to what we do. (laughs) Well, with that, I will say adios to all our listeners and remind them that we all, all we ask from you is Ganas. Desire. And I will give you, Pete, the final word. I'm the Corvette in this story. <laughs>